Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good morning. morning. (laughs) I'm going to preach the first message, Audrey. Uh, good morning. Uh, I like this series, Great Expectations, and the one thing I want us all to remember after I finish preaching today is that in order to achieve great things, we need to have a heart for ministry. Without a heart for ministry, it is impossible to do great things for God, because we are all called to serve, and servanthood and voluntary, volunteerism is ministry, actually, and we are all called to, called to do this. The Volunteer Expo some weeks ago, I was, uh, we were there. It was packed. It was amazing. And I remember as I was looking and observing, I was so happy in my, in my heart because the thing I noticed was a heart for ministry in the church. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. We defy the statistics. Yeah. As a church, when it comes to volunteering, we defy statistics. Because churches like us don't have so many people that really give themselves to the work of God in church, as part of the church. I don't mean only necessarily in the church, but as part of the church. So when, we, when I looked at the Volunteer Expo, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I want to tell everyone about how great this church is. And I want to put on Facebook, I want to put on social media, I want to call my friends in Romania, Europe, my BTI friends, tell them, guys, this is the best church I can be. I, I, I am honest, I'm not just saying this. I, lo- I love it being here. And we are amazing. Because what we do by defying statistics or maybe even defying the norm is that simply give ourselves to God. Say, God, this is my heart. This is what I know. This is what I can do. This is what I learned. This is my experience, my, my knowledge, everything. And all I'm going to do is to place it at your feet in front of your throne and say, let me know what to do. So when, when I looked at the volunteer expo, it was, wow. We as a church have such a great heart for ministry. And even today, some people started in the welcome team. And I know since we did it, many people started for the first time to really apply the knowledge and the gifts and the talents that God has given them for the kingdom of God. And together, we're going to see really, really great things. That's why I want to say this to all the people. And that's why I want to speak about the heart of a ministry today. Volunteering is ministry. Volunteering is ministry. And that greatness comes from our hearts to serve. The more you serve, the greater you are. And that's a principle in the, in the kingdom of God. When you serve, you are great. And because of this desire of, uh, that we have to serve God, we're going to, see, uh, we're going to see many people being saved, as we saw last year. We're going to see many people's lives being impacted by us. We're going to see people in Bromley coming to salvation and know Jesus. Because together, when we apply what God has put in our lives, we're going to see great, great things happening. That's, that's my firm belief. And if I am to look forward, and through faith, and just... By faith, I know that we're going to be a voice in Bromley. We're going to be a voice in Macedonia, Romania, Rwanda, wherever we are. Because all together, say, God, here we are. Do whatever you want. And because of that, we're going to see great things. And God's name will be glorified. And God's name will be lifted high. And everyone will get to know God. So at the Volunteer Expo, we had 26 ministers. And 107 people signed up. 107 people signed up. That's, that's crazy. I will encourage you to go on Google this week and look at the statistics of people who signed up to be volunteers in churches. We defy the norm. And that's why I'm sometimes so happy about it. 107 people signed up and started. 
apart from those that have already were serving in the church. And I think the greatest majority of our church and in this place right now are in a way or another involved in God's kingdom in volunteering. And so that's, that's why when it comes to doing great things for God, a heart of ministry is what you need. Following God's instructions, of course, but if we have a heart for ministry, we're going to see great things happening. And I believe this for our church as well. I want to read from Nehemiah today. And I want to learn from him, and I want to learn from the people. They all together had a vision and a plan from God. We're going to see this in the text. And then we're going to see what we can learn from them. Nehemiah 4, 7 to 23. When Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard of protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much trouble. By ourselves, we will not be able to build the wall. And our enemies said they will not know our city will come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them, they came from all directions and said to us, Ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, Half of my servants worked on construction and half had the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his, his weapon with the other. And each, had the builders, each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread. And we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where we hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spirits from break of dawn until the stars came out. I'm going to stop here for this text. This is a huge text, obviously. And there could be so many angles to speak about. And those who preach could find so many subjects, so many topics that I can speak about, so much so that actually, and I didn't say this in the first service, last night when I was, pre- when I was uh, preparing, actually rehearsing or say, repeating the message, I felt God, that God told me, you need to change some things. And I actually changed some of the things for this morning. And I was like, yes, Holy Spirit, you are right. Like, of course he's right, you know. So, <laughs> like, he needed, he needed my approval. You are right. I need to change some things. <laughs> but, but I did it. And uh, I, I said, I, I think God told me, you need to be more personal. Because the mission, message I prepared initially was too technical. So you need to speak from your heart. And whenever I don't speak from my heart, in the night before, I was like, no, that's not a good message. And so, so when I change, and I know that God will bless all of us. I was greatly, and I am greatly blessed by what I prepared today, of course, because the Holy Spirit told me to do this. <laughs> that's my excuse. <laughs> all right. So we started a new thing as a church. Last week, we stepped, as Pastor Mark said just earlier, into our destiny. You know, it's a big word, but we have actually stepped into a new thing. And God is going to do something new with us individually and collectively to see his kingdom being promoted or being advanced in Bromley. And we have stepped into something new last week when we moved to three services. It's a big thing. 
It's not just overall, let's do another service for the sake of doing it. We have a plan and we have a method and God's giving us a vision because we want to see people, uh, people's lives impacted in Bromley. But when we step into something new and when you are at the beginning of something new, when God gives you a vision, as God did with Nehemiah and the people, rebuild the works of Jerusalem. Because Nehemiah had a burden and that burden became a vision and now he's had to implement that vision as well. When God gives you something, don't just only uh, feel the burden for it. Don't only say, I have a vision, but let's do something about it. So that's what Nehemiah did and the people. They start to rebuild the world. But we know that when we start doing what God wants us to do, somehow the enemy knows about it as well. Somehow they all pop out and say, whoa, I know what you're doing, something, and I'm going to stop you. It says that the enemy, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. When the enemy saw that Nehemiah and the people were stepping into the plan that God, God had for them, when they saw that they are actually implementing the vision that God had for them, they had to do something about it. Because even when we have a plan and a method to accomplish God's vision, the enemy has a plan and a method to stop it. Yeah. And if we look in this text, the two things that they had was, first of all, fight against them, attack them, and the other thing was to bring confusion. You know, the more we move forward on the path that God has for us, Somehow the enemy will attack us and bring confusion because he doesn't want us to accomplish what God wants us to do. Both individually, for everyone, but also collectively. It, it works in both ways. When we do what God wants us to do, the enemy will be there and he wants to stop us. In the last couple of weeks, I myself have been a bit under attack. And I don't say this loosely, okay? I don't, I don't, I don't say I'm under attack just to make it a bit over-spiritual, to over-spiritualize, but it's true. And that person I've been under uh, some things against my identity, my mindset, the way I think. And it was, there was a decision I took, and that decision logically seemed the right one from any, every angle I was looking. But after I took this decision, I felt, um, I felt bad in my heart, and I felt a bit hurt. And uh, then the enemy started to attack me big time. Like, I mean, big time. So I started I start to question my identity, it affected my relationship with God. I start to question my work here at the church. Do I actually do something good? Are you doing something useless? Is it actually effective what you're doing? These thoughts came to my mind. And because I was thinking these thoughts, then more thoughts came. Oh, you're insecure because you're thinking these things. And you're insecure. You're not as strong as you pretend to be. Even though I don't pretend the way I just am what I am. But the enemy was bringing things. You're not as strong as you think. You're insecure. You are weak. What sort of leader are you? How can you impact people's lives? How can you help someone? And the, all these things came to my mind. I was like, yes, and I started to feed these thoughts. I started to uh, flirt with these thoughts. So much so that they, they affected me so much. I had a haircut the other week. And Hannah said, Vlad, I wanted to tell you to have a haircut. But I didn't know how to tell you or if to tell you. <laughs> and I told her, you know, when I go through, a, through a, let's say, a battle season or time, I, it, you can see it physically on me as well. And that's true. I remember some months ago when we were at the conference in the hotel room, I told Adam, you know how you can tell if I'm spiritually well? Come in my room. If it's messy, then there's a problem. I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but for me it still has it. So physically it affects me. No haircut, I didn't really care what I put on me and stuff like this. And I told Hannah, this is, how I, this is how it affects me. Even physically, it affected me spiritually 
it freaked me emotionally because I was a bit snappy at my girlfriend, I was insensitive, and they were really, really not good things. So it affected me because I, under, I was under huge attack. I went to Pastor Mark on Tuesday, and I texted him, I said, we need to speak, it's really important, can we speak like 15, 20 minutes, I have something to, to speak with you. So I went, I opened, my, I opened up my heart, it was really great, it wasn't 20 minutes, it was one hour and a half. As, <laughs> As it happens when you meet Pastor Mark, some of you, some of you will know, will know this. And I, I spoke to him, I told him what's happening, and I said, if I don't open up my heart, and if I don't speak with someone, I will not be able to preach on Sunday. And that's right, I couldn't even have the idea, I know, because when I prepare a message, there needs to be like, oh yes, that's, that's, that's what I want to speak about. There was nothing. It was like a desert in terms of ideas and everything. I could, and, but when I spoke, and after he encouraged me, I said, I've got your back. We're, we're in this together if you want. That's like I'm leaving that place. I did, he didn't tell me anything new, like, God's got your back. So, wow, I didn't know that before, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but just because you open up to someone, that makes a difference in your heart. So after I was all under all this attack, I went and I started to prepare the message. It was like flowing. It was really great and really amazing. But the other thing that the enemy will do is to bring confusion. Then we'll try to bring confusion in our heart. And confusion is a big, big, big one. Because if there is confusion, there is no unity. And when there is no unity, nothing can be done. Okay, look at the, when the, the people tried to build a tower, uh, Babel. There was confusion among them. They couldn't finish the work. It's just a principle that works. So where there is confusion, and the enemy knows that confusion brings disunity, disunity stops the work from being done, and he will always try to bring this to you and to us. In our mind, in our hearts, you start to question everything. You start to question, like I came back, question my calling. I went that far, you know, to feed this stuff. Question my calling, question my identity, question my assurance of salvation in God, say, am I really, why am I doing this if I'm really a Christian? No, these silly things, but are not silly at the moment, but as I look back, like, it's in the Bible, no? God's got my back. But I was starting to question, there was confusion in my heart, I was a bit inefficient in the work I do, I was feeling bad, I was like a victim and everything, and that's what the enemy does, and there are, there are people in our lives who will always attack. There are always people, because when you start something new, when you start something great, the enemy will use people in your life to start to attack you and bring confusion. We as a church are starting something really great. And I, I pray that all of us will see it eventually. What we are stepping into is going to, it's going to be so amazing that like, God's name will be known everywhere. Because we're, we're in this together. But the enemy knows this. And there will be people in our lives who will attack you. And as it happens, sometimes they will attack your identity. They will speak bad against the people you serve. And I personally, and I am like this, if someone speaks bad against someone I love, I, I fight back. But the other thing is that if someone speaks bad against any of you in this place, against anyone in the church that God asked me to serve into, I'm going to fight back. I'm not, I'm not going to let anyone, and that's, I'm doing this, okay? I'm not going to let anyone ever speak bad against you, speak bad against Adam, Pastor Mark, or any of the leaders in this church. And if someone does this, I'm going to get violent. <laughs> fearless. I'm going to be fearless. When I <laughs> that's good, that's good. I can calm down. <laughs> you know, there are, there, are, there are people that are like parasites. And those, what a parasite does is that it sticks to you and it will suck out all your life. It will suck out 
all your faith. It will start suck out all the knowledge you have about who you are and about God, what God does. And then you'll question everything, including God. You'll question your friendships, you'll question your family, you'll question your leaders and everything else. And what we need to do is to stand against this kind of people. And I have some one or two names in my mind. I remove myself from any relationship with them. Because I know that they're parasites. They'll suck out everything of me. And I want to encourage you. When we are building something together, and we have started building something together, do not let, do not let anyone, do not let, do not let anyone or anything to mess up with the things that God wants you to do. If someone speaks bad or gossips or judges, when there's, there's no foundation for it, stop them. Don't be like, okay, that's your opinion. I don't care about your opinion. Like, I'm going to stop. You're not going to speak like this about people that I serve and that I love. Full stop. There's no chat about it. And the enemy will do this. And what Nehemiah did was to say, we pray to our God and set a guard as protection. Two things, both at the same time. Both pray and set a guard. Let's say that you want to give up alcohol. You don't only pray and go on your knees and say, God, uh, while you're holding the pint, say, God, help me not to give me strength to not drink. Like, yes, I, I, get the, I get the point. But what if you don't buy a six-pack and put it in your fridge and pray? You know, they did two things. They both went on their knees in humility in, God, in front of God, say it's, it's hard, they're attacking us, and stood firm and strong as a protection against the enemy. Both things at the same time. Don't only do one or the other. Because the proof of our faith, if I pray for God to help me in something, I'm going to do it. If I pray to God to stop me from drinking alcohol, I'm not going to go to that party. I'm not going to buy beer when it's on sales. And I'm going to do this thing. If, that, if that's my, I'm not saying drinking is wrong, okay? But if it is an addiction, it's totally wrong, okay? There's no, there's no question about that. But if you, want to, if you want to do something, don't only pray. And many people say the battle is won on your knees. The battle starts to be won on your knees. But then you need to also practically do something as a proof. Say, I, I trust God. If I pray to do this, I'm going to stand and put up protection and I'm going to fight against it. In the strength that God gives me. And then we'll be successful for this. And then what, what's happening is that while we move and we work in what God has for us, it says that the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. And we know very well it's not always easy. Even when you work in the calling that God has for your life, it's not always easy. It will be hard. It says the strength is failing. There is too much rubble and mess and everything and other things. The by ourselves will not be able to rebuild the world. So even when you, when you are doing what God wants to do, even when you implement the vision that God has for life, it will be hard. That's just what you feel. You feel like uh, the mess of the life just piles up on you. Everything starts to come up at once. As it happened to me as well. Everything. I was arguing with my girlfriend. I was uh, insecure. I was ineffective. And it's like, why is this all happening now? Because it tries to stop me from something that wants to stop. When this happened, then if you think that you cannot do something alone, can I say that you are right? By yourself, you'll not be able to do what God wants you to do. Because God calls the church... And we are the church to do great things for him. We do different things, as on the world, some did other things. But together, we are building the vision that God has for us. And be encouraged. And that's what Nehemiah said, said as well. I'll, I'll go to this after. The enemy first says that they will not know or see that we're coming. The enemy said, I have a plan, and I have them a method. The plan is to stop them. The method was to bring confusion and attack. And they will not see us coming. But what? God says in the Bible that I read <laughs> and you all read is that we are not unaware of the, of the enemy's schemes and designs. So we can know what's happening. And the way we know is by spending time with God in prayer and having a daily relationship with him. How did Nehemiah know that the enemies want to attack? 
He set a guard, but like out of what? He just, okay, let's set a guard. Maybe the enemy wants to attack one day. He had a relationship with God. And when you're in a relationship with God, then you will think that you don't see him coming, but you will. Because your eyes will be open, you will discern things better. And the other thing Nehemiah did to encourage people, he says, remember that the Lord is great and mighty, and remember that you fight for your wives, your kids, your homes, your brothers, your sisters. And the thing is that when you feel like it's too hard, when you feel like you cannot move on forward, remember two things. First of all, remember who you fight under. Remember that you fight under God's authority. Remember that you fight under God's protection. Remember that God's got your back. Remember that God is on your side. He'll never leave you. He'll never fail you. This is the first thing you remember. And the other thing is remember what you fight for. Remember the reason we exist as a church. Remember the reason why you are a Christian. Remember that we are called to preach the gospel and make disciples. We are called to change lives. We are called to help people that go to ourselves to bring them back into the kingdom of God. That's our calling. That's why we exist as a church. That's why we do a third service. We're just fulfilling the calling that God has for us as a church. Remember when it's hard, when you feel like you cannot do it anymore, remember your mission. Remember your calling. Remember that you're not alone. If there's mess in your life and you messed up because of the rubble, remember that God is with you even then. That God's got your back even then. And you, no matter how, how hard it is, you can still be a blessing for people. But you need to decide to step out of that negativity as I was in. Even though I gave in, I didn't give up. So never ever give up because God's got your back. And together we can do great things. And I do believe this for us as a church. When it's hard, it will get hard. I mean, most of us are, volunteers, are, are doing a volunteering job or any job, volunteering or not. So all of us do something. Imagine building the world. Everyone does something in this place. And sometimes it will get hard. It's just, it's just how it is. But don't give up. That will strengthen you. It will make you stronger. Yesterday I met with someone, and that person asked me, because they asked me, like, what do you do on Saturdays? Like, well, I normally do some washing, shopping for food for the week, and cleaning stuff. So like, ah, do you do your own washing? <laughs> and, and I was like, Yes. <laughs> You know, and and uh, after we were speaking, I said, I, I realized that it's a big thing for some people to do your wash and just put the clothes there and press the buttons. <laughs> but I realized that because, in a way, in my past, I had to do these things. I, I even washed socks like, on, with my hands, like, and <laughs> some of you know. But because obviously I was in Romania, I didn't have a washing machine until like, I don't know, actually, 16, 17. So I had to do all these things. <laughs> so because I learned to do, for me, it's normal to do your own washing. It's not a big deal that I'm going to boast about the fact that I'm doing my own washing. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it's normal. (laughs) Fearless. I'm going to fearless put the... (laughs) But it became normal for me. And when it's hard for you, it is a lesson in that place. And it will make you stronger. And what makes you stronger will become normal for you. But some people will look and say, wow, you're doing your washing. Say, duh, I... (laughs) Of course, and it becomes normal, but it will be a blessing to others. In my case, I can teach anyone how to put their washing in the... So if, any, if anyone wants to learn, you can, you can make a workshop or something on it. As a, a small group. Put your clothes in the washing machine, small group. We'll put the EasyJet t-shirts and you can sign up. Okay, and then as I, as I, as I, as I conclude now, I like the strategy that Nehemiah used. And this is something really n- new for me. I never, it's, it's one of those things that you read and everyone preaches about, especially at conferences on Nehemiah, you know. But I never saw this before. It says that Nehemiah 
put people, and half of them worked on construction, and half held the spears and the bows and everything. Half worked on construction, while half held the spears. Half of them were building the vision, and half of them were protecting the vision. Half of them were building the vision, and half of them were protecting the vision. And when God starts something in us, we need to both work for the vision, in your skills, abilities, and protect the vision from the enemy, from the confusion, from the attacks, from everything else. And there are some people who, who build a vision, others protect the vision, while some others tell a vision. <laughs> That's cool, right? I like when I came up with this this week. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, some people build a vision, others protect the vision, while some others tell a vision. <laughs> we are called to do protection and building of the vision. But there are people who tell a vision. Like what I do when I watch football. Like if you would hear me as I speak, it's like you are a professional football player because you know everything they should have done, you know how they, the subs he should have made, not this guy, in what minute, how they should have shot, cross, pass. But I'm not on the pitch. <laughs> and if I run two minutes, I'm dead after that, you know? <laughs> Pastor Mark runs three times longer and probably faster than me. So like, it's not my thing, but I'm talking about it. I, I, I act as if I'm there but I'm not there. I look at them, and I comment, and I attack them even though they don't care because they don't know what Vlad is saying this. Like, like I don't know, Rooney and Manchester United always been sixth, for example, no? Sorry, the fans. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but some people will look at the vision you're building, at the work that God is taking you through, and they will do television. They'll only hold the remote control, flip from one channel, and say, oh, that guy, yeah. Oh, this church, they're doing this. Oh, the pastor is like this. All the leaders are like this. All the people, all the small groups. All the, there will be people who are not part of the, those who work. Because look, look at this. People who work, protect and work for the vision, they never say these things. Only those that are outside, who don't understand what we're fighting for, who don't understand who we're fighting under, who don't understand what we're going to achieve, who don't understand our vision and our purpose. They'll just look and say things. Do not let them. Do not let them and be strong against them. I encourage you, don't get physical, obviously. But, but stand firm, say, I'm not going to listen to this. Because you're messing up with the plans that God has for my life and for my church, and I'm not going to let you do these things. And as I conclude, then Shagan can come. Uh, <laughs> in the first service, I said, Adam, can you join me? It's about Dr. Shagan who's leading. It was my default. You know what this is? This week in Romania, it was the greatest number of people who protest since the falling of communism in 89. So 28 years, 27 years, there haven't been so many people out in the streets to protest against the government, to protest against this corruption and the politicians that are corrupted. It's a big thing. 350,000 people. And that picture fails to show the multitude. It's all, it was all over. I know they showed it in England and America as well eventually, but it was all over the place. People fighting even, which was not really cool, but people standing up for their rights. And the thing that I took from this, yesterday, they actually abolished the law that people wanted it to be abolished. And that law said that if I work for the state, for the government, and I steal whatever sum of money, I will not go to prison. And if my brother and my sister and my grandmother and my cousin steal as well, they will not go to prison either. And all Romania stood up against this. and said, we're not going to accept this. They went out in the streets and yesterday, they found success after a week or so of going daily 
in the streets. It happened in London. In London, as well, the Romanian communities everywhere where the Romanians were standing up for what is right. And what I took from this is that no matter what positions those people have, that guy was the, the prime minister of Romania. Okay? It's not the same as in England. It has a bit, the president is like the queen and the prime minister. So the prime minister was corrupted and all his people. And all Romanians stood up against them, united, shouting and speaking against it. and said, we're not going to accept this. But once they did this, it was successful. And my point is that when we stand united to fulfill the vision that God has for us, no matter how insignificant we might think we are, no matter how small we may think we are, God will help us to achieve our dream and our goal. And there will be nothing that will stand against us. Principalities, kings, politicians, bad people that will attack us, bad people that will bring confusion, enemies. Satan himself will not be able to stand against what we try to achieve for God as a church. And I want you to be encouraged. And remember what Nehemiah said to the people. Remember who you fight under. God has got your back. And remember who and what you fight for. And there's the 300,000 people in Bromley we fight for. We're going to snatch them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. We're going to see Bromley a change. Bless you.